Hello, and welcome to Accountability Talks with HEA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today, we're talking with Olua Debo from IBS, and we're going to talk about government infrastructure, organizations such as transportation, utilities, and some of the challenges they face in financial management. So it's not a topic we've covered before, so we're excited to present it to you all. So let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to the podcast. All right, so today we wanted to take on a topic of state, local governments, and actually some things we haven't talked about too much on the podcast, uh, you know, utilities, infrastructure, transportation, and uh, we have a great guest to talk about that with us today, Mr. Olu Adebo. Hello, how are you doing today? Hello, Paul. How are you doing? Doing great. Well, uh, why don't we just start off, tell us about yourself, you know, your organization, who you work with. Awesome. First of all, thank you for inviting me onto your show. It's, it's quite exciting and a privilege and an honor. Oh, thank you. Um, who is Olua Debo? So um, <laughs> I'm a mixed bag of a lot of stuff. I uh, My first life used to be an engineer. Okay. Um, then uh, became a CPA accountant. Um, recovered from that. I went <laughs> into financial management and mm-hmm. more recently I've been focusing more on, uh, I'm a certified PMP, focusing on project management, et cetera. Okay. Um, how, uh, so prior to, I'm founding member of IBS, mm-hmm. um, principal partner and also CEO. Uh, prior to uh, going down that uh, venture, I was a CFO for the largest, one of the largest uh, water and wastewater uh Utilities here hmm. in the United States, which is uh, DC Water. Oh wow! Uh, just down the street from from your headquarters here. Oh, that explains uh, why why you like this work. Okay. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, so I worked there for over a decade, and that's kind of how I got bit by the bug right. for infrastructure. All right. Um, so, kind of dovetail into IBS. Um, IBS is uh, DC based, small um, global uh, management consulting firm. Um, we're certified 8A, um, and uh, we have been in business for 10 years. Actually, we kicked off a 10-year anniversary just a few months ago. Oh, wow. Uh, Great. So I guess we are not yet teenagers yet, but, you know, <laughs> we are getting quite close. Yeah. Um, the focus areas for us are accounting. We're a certified CPA firm. Uh-huh. Um, many of the team members and staff members are CPAs like yourself. Uh, we also uh, do a lot of work in what we call the financial management consulting space. Right. We'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. And uh, management consulting and uh, internationally, since we said we're global, we do transaction advisory also. Um, um, and we'll get into that as we talk about infrastructure. Um, we about 50 men strong, a combination of uh, full-time staff and uh, contract resources that work for us. And uh, we focus almost exclusively um, in state, local, municipal, and federal uh, space with clients. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, our core service area is infrastructure sector. Uh, so you kind of see how all this blend, state, local, municipal, federal infrastructure. And, um, you, know, get, get, you know, not getting ahead of myself, but... Uh, as you know, a lot of the infrastructure sector clients are public infrastructure. Right. And that kind of 
get us into uh, some more discussions um, down the road. Great. Perfect. Well, that's, yeah, let's get into it. So again, you mean you've worked there a long time and now you're consulting for these companies and, or I guess our organizations or public organizations. So yeah, just tell us a little bit about, you know, what kind of work do you do for those organizations, the infrastructure organizations, and then maybe get into some of their unique challenges uh, with funding and we'll kind of go from there. So absolutely. I think um, uh, maybe we can take a little bit of a detour and uh, talk about what public infrastructure means and what a bean counter and accountant like myself might find exciting or interesting in such a sector. Um, So, you know, we, uh, many of us go to bed and wake up, you know, without really being conscious of all the infrastructure around us that ensures that, you know, our life is convenient, that uh, we have a safe uh, safe drinking water, we're able to mm-hmm. commute from point A to point B, we're able to use a cell phone, we're able to switch on the lights and get electricity, etc. cetera. Uh, so when we talk about infrastructure, um, and as we narrow down into public infrastructure, crypto infrastructure, essential inf- uh, uh, infrastructure, these are all the things that are essential to the backbone of commerce, uh, you know, uh, livability, environment, safety, etc. Mm-hmm. So we're talking uh, things like transit, we're talking transportation, we're talking water and sewer, public housing, etc., etc. Right. Um, these um, sector-specific, um, um, in many cases, utilities or, or, or clients um, are very capital intensive, mm. you know. So um, uh, it's very expensive to 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 acquire, build, maintain uh, many of this uh, uh, infrastructure uh, facilities. Um, you can just imagine, you know, what it took to build the the rail network in the U.S. Mm. What right. it takes to to build a transit system, the roads network, and even maybe even closer to us the water uh, and sewer uh, uh, um, uh, facilities. Right. Um, So they're labor-intensive, they're capital-intensive, and they're very prone to what we call a long-range planning. So these are are sectors where you can't just snap your finger and something happens right away. So um, when we're saying long-term, we're talking... What, 10, so 20, 30, 50? What kind of years? Yeah, so, I mean, it's not unusual to see 40 years. You 40 know, years, you yeah. Know, um, certainly 10 years would be the minimum. That's probably short, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, that's very short. So you, you, you kind of start think, thinking of a horizon where, you know, they have to project out what are the needs, not just next year and two years, but what are going to be the needs 10 years from now, right? Yeah. You know, what are the environmental factors they have to consider as they build, um, you know, what are the options for the building, mm-hmm. you know, what are the permit requirements, what are the stakeholder engagements that need to happen for people to buy into their roads or their environment being torn up just to put things under or above or on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously all the other coordination that has to happen as it relates to, uh, to all of it. Uh, so um, the context behind all of this is, especially for your for your your base that listen to this is mm-hmm. for an accountant or somebody in this space. Um, one of the key things for us is what we call measurement, right? You know, mm-hmm. you know, you got you got to measure something, you got to record it, you got to reconcile, analyze, and then report. Yeah. 
And, you know, the whole concept of measurement really focuses on you understanding what you're measuring. Mm. The more you understand the sector, the industry, the needs, the better an accountant you can be in measuring it. Right. If you kind of step a couple of, if you go a few steps further and kind of you see why I love this, uh, many of us focus on the recording, reporting, and compliance aspects of accounting, mm-hmm. but not so much on the decision support. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. you know, decision support really entails you really understanding the mechanics of the sector you're in, in order to be able to provide the right data to support this. Right. Uh, so going to your question, I know this was a long response. Oh no, yeah, um, good. IBS um, positions ourselves along several points of intervention uh, regarding utility and infrastructure sector management. One is the planning aspects um, um, so we help with things like feasibility studies uh, we help with mm-hmm. um, cost of service studies uh, we even help with financial modeling and economic modeling to help with decisions around which solution uh, from a financial perspective not necessarily an engineering or technical perspective mm-hmm. makes the most economic sense and typically, a lot of these decisions are around the life cycle of the asset. So something may be a lot more expensive to build, but a lot less expensive to maintain. We mm. have to factor that in. Um, so it's not because it's the cheapest solution to put in. Uh, that means that's the best solution. Or it might be compliance. Like, you don't have any choice. You have to go to this new technology or, or this air pollution-reducing thing or whatever, right? Now, now you're going to another <laughs> key aspect um, of uh, infrastructure uh, clients and and I guess that will start going into kind of the needs and uh, how we support some of those other things. So, mm-hmm. so IBS, um, going to your question, we support planning. Uh, we also support, in a lot of ways, monitoring and evaluation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as the project uh, kicks off and or once it's gone live, uh, we have all kinds of uh, oversights and mechanisms for uh, reporting, reviewing, uh, um, performance, vis-a-vis the expectations and goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you had asked a question about funding yeah. and, and how that kind of works right. in the infrastructure world. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, as we talked about, these are very capital-intensive uh, uh, sectors. You know, so mm-hmm. It's not unusual to be talking about billions of dollars right. for just one solution, and there might be multiple solutions that require multi-billion dollar uh, inputs, um, which means uh, funding mm-hmm. is um, a critical part of the solution. Um, I'd gone, I'd started off by saying many of us wake up in the morning and go to bed without really being cognizant of all the things happening behind the scenes to ensure that this infrastructure is in place. And quite frankly, the only time most people bat an eyelid is when it's reliable yeah and or when they get a sticker shock for the price that they have to pay for it right right um, and so um, most in fact not most all of the infrastructure sector clients when you look at their vision or their mission will always start off with providing safe reliable cost effective and efficient services you know so you can say a cost cost in many of those um, and 
when you look at what is driving the ability to meet that mission, one is we have aging infrastructure. Many mm. of the sector infrastructure uh, um, facilities that they use for providing their service are decades old. Right. So we've got aging infrastructure. Um, two is we have increased regulation. Mm. Um, several decades ago, you know, we were not that concerned about the environment. Uh, we're not that concerned about being clean. We, we, you know, safety requirements might have been less, mm-hmm. um, et cetera. So now there's increased regulation, which now requires them to either upgrade their facilities to meet those regulations, right. or in some cases, tear the old stuff down to build new ones. Right. Um, there is modernization requirement, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, either because the tastes of the customer base is changing mm. or there's disruption in the industry because there are new players in it, mm-hmm. Uber, Amazon, et cetera. Right. Um, yeah. um, and so that might require some modernization to be competitive. Yeah. Um, and so th- when you kind of look at all these factors – and not adding even the demand pressures as population grows, people move around from where they didn't used to live. Now you have to provide service in that area when you didn't have to in the past. Um, you know, you start seeing the dollar signs adding up. You know, um, um, it's not news, I'm sure, to your customer base that the infrastructure deficit is openly large. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, really, uh, what we are working on for the most part is prioritizing whatever limited funding sources that are available to start to deal with the most pressing issues. Um, And so that goes to your question about funding. Yeah, what are those sources? What kind of different sources do you see? Yeah, so, so, you know, for for especially public infrastructure clients, um, um, what you'll find is over time, you know, at one point in time, this was all federally funded. There was a big tax base. Um, and the focus was probably very specific to certain, you know, maybe a handful of infrastructure-related uh, initiatives. Um, over time, uh, the feds have pushed this responsibility to state and local government, and so more and more of the funding for the things I talked about is now coming from local and municipal sources. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, so there's grants from the feds, there's local municipal contributions um, in some shape or form, also mostly from a tax base from uh, the local uh, uh, customers. Um, the uh, And then fundamentally the rest of it is going to be from rates where right. the, uh, uh, the, the, the sector client has to charge for their services for the, dif- the difference between what they're able to fund from grants and local contributions um, from the customer. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, it's one of those few organizations where, I mean, we all have to pay, right? We pay for our electricity and our water and whatever. So that's one in, that's one component. But then they, you know, they have to, we pay taxes, and that goes toward the projects. Yes. Maybe there's special assessments, special taxes, real estate, income, whatever the different taxes they pull it from. Absolutely. And then you got federal grants on top of that. So that's how expensive and difficult this is to fund, right? I mean, it's just so much billions of dollars, not just in building, but in maintenance, right? So, and all the things you said. So, it's a unique industry. Unique industry, very capital <laughs> intensive. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, 
um, which means that um, precision and planning um, and that's pretty. It's essential. Yeah. Important, yeah. I mean, I can see how that could be scrutinized. That's such a. I mean, if you make any wrong decision here, it could be billions of dollars of effects, right? Or you could really, yeah, disrupt things. Absolutely, and, it, and it's not unusual for you to start with a budget of one point five billion for a project, and by mm-hmm. the time the project is done, it's five billion. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, let me ask you a little bit about the grants part. You mentioned the grants. And, you know, there's this big infrastructure build now, too, right? That's a big news in the world. Trillion dollars, yes. That's right. <laughs> so, which probably is not even enough, right? I mean, true. We need $100 trillion. Um, You know, maybe from a from a recipient, from a grant recipient perspective, you know, most of uh, the AGA stuff that we do here, we talk to a lot of feds. You know, they give grants, but we don't talk as much to folks that receive grants and all the pressures of that. I mean, you might give us a little perspective of how – you know, these utility or infrastructure folks kind of the pressures they feel with the, with the grant money and how they kind of monitor that or, yeah. Absolutely. So there, you know, there may be about two or three dimensions to this whole grant yeah. management. You know, obviously there is the uh, planning aspect where you determine what your needs are. Mm-hmm. There is the application process where you actually access the grants right. um, and hopefully you get it. And then there's the monitoring and reporting aspect where you have certain compliance requirements to ensure that you continue to maintain your eligibility for those grants. Right. Um, all of those are critically important. Um, you know, from the planning aspect, um, you know, there's obviously um, the needs always far exceeds uh, uh, the grant funding. Now, let's let's yeah. take a second to talk about the mechanism for how many of these grants work. So whether it's FTA that provides grants mm-hmm. funding for many of the transit authorities or EPA that provides grant funding, or at least is the administrator for, for the grants for, um, for many of the environmental agencies such as water and wastewater, mm-hmm. um, uh, what we'll, you will typically see is this formulaic approach, right? So mm-hmm. the, the, the administrating agency, i.e. FTA, EPA, will have an annual appropriation or certain programs, um, and whatever that is. Um, then there's another formula based on sensors, based on different things mm-hmm. that they then use to say, okay, this is how much each state uh, will be allocated. Right. right. Um, and then based on that, there may be a competitive process between the multiple recipients within that, that uh, base um, to to then access the grant. Mm. Uh, there may also be some other types of grants that may be competitive grants, emergency grants, etc. So uh, um, there's typically a pool of uh, grants that it is important um, as part of your grants administration to know all the various sources mm. of grants and position yourself to uh, apply timely, understand the requirements for the application so that you're successful and essentially maximize your you know, uh, your grant portfolio uh, yeah. that way. And yeah. that's one of the areas that we support some of our clients with. Uh, now, assume you have maximized that and you have accessed all the grants mm-hmm. that are available to you from uh, the federal uh, pool. Yeah. Um, so that funds X percent of your need. Um, then um, there could be local grants. Sometimes these are also federal grants that are passed through hmm. state 
uh, state uh, recipients that then trickles down to some of the agencies within the states, or they may just be direct subsidies that the state provides. Um, again, as you look at your funding portfolio, you want to first optimize you know, uh, how much you get from what we call free money. Now, now, by the way, there's also an interesting thing that uh, mechanism through the grants funding, which is called um, uh, SRFs. These are state revolving funds. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where sometimes, um, basically, um, recognizing that you may have to tap into the capital market mm-hmm. and raise monies to uh, um, private sources hmm. um, uh, or issue municipal bonds. Um, yeah, the bonds, uh, yeah. You know, um, the feds have also created a mechanism where uh, they, co- they, you know, they, asked, um, uh, they issue the grants in the form of a, of a loan, mm. but very low interest. Right. And they basically fund a state revolving pool where, you know, multiple uh, uh, recipients could tap into it, pay it back, basically replenish the pool, and so it's continues continuously available for, for use. So I don't know if, I mean, just top of your head, but is there some standard percentage of funding that these folks usually get from federal grants, or does it vary by industry widely? So, so, it's, it's, so it's, it does certainly varies. So one of okay. our big clients is uh, D.C. Water. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, when you look at their portfolio and how much is funded by grants, um, it's uh, single digits. It's probably mm-hmm. around uh, 10%. Oh wow! You know, um, ten or less, yeah. Yeah, and then um, we go into another client of us, ours, which is uh, Wamada, Washington Metro Area Transit Authority. Yep. And um, in their case, um, uh, sometimes as much as high forty percent of their capital wow. uh, capital program is funded through grants. So is it? I mean, transportation and you know roads and that kind of thing. Do they tend to get more? Grants in general. I mean, is there more grants for that kind of thing versus, I guess, in this case, the water authority was getting less. So yeah, yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I you know, and uh, not to not to come across as being partial or biased against <laughs> one sector or, or, or the other, but I, I uh, you know, one of the uh, things that we used to say in the water and wastewater industry is, you know, we're the unknown and hid or hidden utility, uh, which mm. in one sense is good because you don't have to do a lot of branding. Nobody really knows you exist. You can kind of, <laughs> you know, kind of walk under the radar. Yeah, sure. But then it also uh, disadvantages you from, uh, um, you know, um, a sense of importance perspective. You know, uh, many of the infrastructure for water and wastewater is underground, so most people sometimes don't really realize yeah. until there's a water main break or there's a, a boil water alert or some other significant issues that, you know, right. This also needs to be, you know, funding needs to be provided, and what you start, what you see with many of the water and wastewater utilities is, um, if you just kind of do a re- look, a review of the rates over the last ten years, mm-hmm. many of them have quadrupled, uh, and I'm talking of rates wow. that what customers pay. You know, there used to be a time when customers paid quarterly, and you know, they paid maybe, you yeah. know, thirty dollars or something. Now it's not unusual to see customers paying a hundred dollars a month. Right. You know. So a little bit more about just the grant side, and we have a couple more questions today, but um, how would you characterize how much time and effort and maybe stress is put on an organization to deal with the federal requirements, too, because you have to 
you know, report back, you get audited, all this kind of thing. I mean, is it pretty heavy pressure or are these, are these organizations, this is, they're just used to it. This is how it is. These are the strings attached kind of thing, you know? So, so the interesting thing with public sector clients is they span the gamut. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, you can go to like a DC water that is well-resourced, it's up to speed, has top-notch staff members, mm-hmm. and um, um, they're up to the task for any requirement, either through their in- in-house resources or through some contract resources. Right. But then another utility in a very small jurisdiction, mm-hmm. in a very small locality yeah. that sometimes has a part-time CFO, hmm. you know, how they handle it, to, yeah. Also has to meet <laughs> the same requirements, right? Yeah, that's uh, hard. You know, and so, you know, really the challenge is is really, you know, how do you have a standard that kind of fits <laughs> all True. recognizing that the capacity um, uh, is not the same across the board. So, yeah. Um, so you're, you're going to struggle when you have a lot less, re- you know, these resources on staff to, to handle all this kind of thing. Absolutely, which then limits your ability to access grants. Yeah, um, good point. Increases your uh, your your, your uh, exposure and risks around uh, grants that may you know be uh, questioned and, mm-hmm. and and you have to pay back and right. ultimately starts to shrink your access to funding. Yeah, wow. Um, well, let me get on to another question here for you. I got a couple more, but uh, I I did want to ask you. You say you have worked with some federal agencies too. Um, you know, how would you compare? that kind of work with the state and local or the infrastructure, you know, how does that work differ or, or is it pretty much the same thing? Well, um, I would, I would have loved to say that it's the same thing, <laughs> Sure, Make it easy. Uh, but, but certainly it isn't. I think that, um, um, they're both different, different beasts for lack of a better ch- choice of word, mm-hmm. um, and come with different challenges. Um, in the state, local municipal space, um, there are hundreds of yeah. state and local municipal authorities. Right. There's not always consistency in how you access them, how you respond to uh, solicitations from them, and mm-hmm. or even their operating environment, how you work with them. And so um, there's a different type of uh, structure you have to deploy in managing state local Mm. Um, However, you do have the advantage in that a lot of times you can see, touch, and feel the decision makers, and so there's a bit more of an intimacy around understanding their needs and and working through with them. One, do you find like every state is a little bit different laws and regs, or are they, you know, does that make it difficult too? Or absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, I mean, there's some commonalities in some philosophies such as transparency, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. But when you start getting to the tactical aspects of how do they execute that, then, right. you know, it starts being that you have to uh, learn the kind of the local environment. So that comes with this challenge, but there's also advantages. Uh, the federal is on the other extreme mm-hmm. where um, um, even though there are multiple federal agencies, um, most of the time you're going to target handful of federal agencies. You're not going to be able to provide services to all federal agencies. Uh, but then you have the structure where the folks that do the procurement 
may be very distant from the program folks that you're actually going to work for and work with. That's right. <laughs> and so there's a different uh, philosophy on how you engage and interact in that space um, in order to be successful. Um, and mm. and um, we also find that, obviously, in the federal space, the barrier for entry is very high. Right. You know, um, and so you have to... Um, do a lot more capitalization of your resources and target your resources in order to even penetrate any agency. Sure. Well, and that really leads to my last question for you. So as you said, you are a small business, 10 years now. Um, and there, that might be part of the barrier too, just you're smaller than some of these large ones. I mean, there are a lot of set-asides these days, you know, the way the government's going right now. So you would think that would help, but I would love to hear your perspective of, yeah, what, you know, what are the challenges of, of running a small business doing work in this environment? Um, I guess, first of all, I would say um, if I had been advised um, correctly 10 years ago about the challenges of small business, I probably would not have gone into it. Right. I think it's one of those things where you just jump in and then you're forced to sink or swim. Yeah. Um, uh, You swam. That's good. Yeah. But but, um, I don't regret uh, the decision and... It's not for everybody, uh, but certainly if you have the passion for it and the energy and stamina, then it is for you. Now, the the challenges for all businesses are the same, small or large. Mm. You know, you you got to um, identify opportunities so that you can sell your service or goods. Mm-hmm. You've got to keep up your capabilities so right. that you can efficiently and effectively deliver the service in, mm-hmm. a, in a way that you can make money. And then you have to have the capacity because you sometimes have to incur costs mm-hmm. ahead of provide of ahead of you know receiving revenues. And make sure you're paying um, your folks right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so those you know so those those are but so, so I think the, the the biggest challenge obviously for small businesses is um, you know capacity mm-hmm. um, in that you know a lot of times you don't have um, deep pockets. Um, right. And so you have to be a lot more targeted in what you what or who you pursue, sure. Um, and you can't be all over the place. Uh, the other big challenge we have is capabilities. I mean, it's, um, especially if you're in a consulting business, you know, your real assets are your people. You right. Know, you're not building widgets and all that, so it's people. Um, and it's getting increasingly competitive mm-hmm. to attract and retain talent. Um, oh, yeah. And and so what we're starting, what what is happening, in fact, is uh, the big firms, you know, small firms, take the risk and recruit and train, and then the big firms come and steal the staff away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Um, and then um, obviously, um, on the opportunity side, you know, the big challenge is there tends to be, if you are in this space, state, local, municipal, especially federal, mm. the lead time for any engagement. It's quite long. Yeah. You know, it's not unusual that it might be 18 months, sometimes 24 months between when you first became aware of an opportunity and when it actually gets, <laughs> you get a contract. That's right. And so, so those are some of the challenges that, you know, small business faces. And uh, obviously, um, um, we're fortunate that we've been able to navigate uh, many of those challenges successfully for the last 10 years. 
Well, Olu, I thank you very much for coming on. It was a quick one here. We could talk all day, I'm sure, but maybe we'll have you back and give us some more knowledge. But I appreciate you being here, and, uh, yeah, this is great. I love this uh, conversation. We don't hear enough about, you know, infrastructure world, state and local world. So thanks again for coming on the podcast. Again, thanks again for inviting me, and I'm happy to come back anytime. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. AGACGFM.org. Got all the podcasts there, all kinds of good AGA content. And yeah, we're rolling along pretty well this year. Podcasts are coming fast and furious, so please tune in. Every week or two, we'll have a new one up for you. Always looking for good guests and topics, so give us a shout. Let us know what you're interested in. Until that next time that we see you, this is your host, Paul Marshall, signing off for Accountability Talks with AGA. AGA.